Uh, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Glad you recovered from your turkey, turkey coma or whatever and uh, came to church this morning to worship the Lord together with us. How many believe God's got something good yet for us here this morning? You believe that? Today we are finishing up a series that we've been in for the last five weeks. If you're new to Crossroads, what we do a lot of times is we'll take a topic or a book of the Bible, a person of the Bible, and we'll look at that person or that book or that topic for a number of weeks. Sometimes it's two, sometimes three, and in this case five weeks. So we've been focused on the extraordinary life that God has and wants for each one of us to live. And so for these five weeks, we've been looking at this topic, and then next week, we're going to go into a new series on miracles. We're going to look at a Christmas miracle, and what we're going to believe God for in December is a miracle for you. Does that sound okay? Five of you? Is all right? All right. Uh, I said, uh, what we're going to believe God for is a miracle for you. Okay, is that all right? So next week, come prepared. I'll just give you an advance warning. Come prepared with what do you want to see God do this Christmas? You know, and it could be uh, an incredible uh, open door that God opens up. It could be a supernatural thing that God does in your life. But uh, think about what that might be. And next week, we're going to focus on that together as we get prepared for a miracle. So for the next several weeks, we'll be taking a look at that. So if you know someone who needs a miracle or you, need, you know someone who needs God in their life, and I hope that you do, if you don't know somebody who needs God in their life, you need to get out more often, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, you need to get out more often and uh, allow your eyes to be open because there are a lot of people here in America that need God. How many believe that? It could be. And so uh, we're going to reach out to those folks during this holiday season because this is a very strategic season. How many know some people get a little more sentimental? Some people get a little bit more, you know, weepy-eyed and whatever. Christmas music is playing and different things. Takes them back to their childhood and whatever. And so uh, during this season, it is a strategic season. Not to be manipulative in any way, shape, or form. But if a person is more receptive to an invitation, if they're more receptive to uh, sharing Christ with them, then let's take advantage of it, right? Let's take advantage of this moment. Let's take advantage of this time of year and reach out to folks. So we'll be talking more about that over the next few weeks. But today, we're going to wrap things up with an extraordinary life. Now, to get things started this morning, let me ask you a question. How many of you are results people? Now, here, here's what I mean by that. Okay, uh, results meaning that if you hear about a diet and you see it work in somebody else and, and somebody says, I'm telling you, you follow this, you will lose five pounds per week on average. How many of you are all about that, right? You, you want results, 
right? It's not, I'm not going to starve myself for nothing, right? How many are with me on that? I'm not going to eat plastic food for nothing, you know? Uh, I, I want to make sure there's some results to it. Or, or maybe, you know, exercise, and you, you read how that these three exercises, you don't need to do all the exercises, you just do these three exercises, and you will have an awesome six-pack. You know, it will be incredible uh, what will happen if you just do these three simple exercises. You can change your appearance. How many are like, give me those three exercises, you know? You're results-oriented, right? You know, it's like the results that happened the other week when, when I said, hey, let's just, this was just spontaneous. I said, let's do something for the homeless ministry here in our community. Let's just all take out a dollar today and, and give that on the way out and see what happens. And how many of you were anxious to come back the next week, right? You're, you're like, I wonder what happened. I wonder, wonder what happened. I wonder what my little dollar did. I wonder, you know, what, what took place. And, and then when you heard we gave $870 to the homeless ministry, how many of you, that, you, that felt good, right? How many wouldn't mind doing that again sometime? Right? That was awesome. We may, we may do that. And, and so there are results that we want to see. And today, what I want to talk to you about is what happens when I give? You know, we've been talking about being generous. We've been talking about defeating greed in our lives. We've been talking about putting God first and how it's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And, and so when, when we talk about all these things, how many of you still think, well, yeah, but what happens when I give? What takes place? So today, uh, we're going to, release the results, all right? We're going to release the results of what happens when we give. And it's interesting, again, that the last thing God said and put in the Old Testament before he turned on the light 400 years later with the birth of Christ, the last thing that's recorded that God talked about is putting him first. Putting him first. Don't give me leftovers. Give me your first. I should be in first place in your life. So today, we're going to look at what happens when you give. What happens when I give to God? So if you're taking notes, there's a few things that you can write down. Here's the first thing. This is just real simple today. We're going to look at some simple things about what happens when we give. First off, what happens to God? You know, have you ever thought about that? What happens to God when I give? Now, we know that we can't change God. We, we heard that the other week when Robert Morris was talking and, and, and shared with us how God cannot change. Uh, he's unchangeable. There's different things about God that, that cannot change ever. But what happens to God when we give? The Bible tells us, and we'll look at this in a moment, that God finds pleasure. He finds pleasure when we give to him first. Now, why would God find pleasure in that? It is because we're doing what he said. We're, we're obeying him, 
and we're doing more than just obedience, because how many know if your kids just obey to obey, that's not the highest level, right? It's like, okay, you're doing what I'm telling you to do, but that's only because I'm standing here. You know, if I wasn't standing here, you wouldn't do it. How many know there's a higher level of obedience, right? And that is when you desire to do it. When, when you desire to, to put forth the effort. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that without faith, we can't please God. So pleasing God involves faith. And it shows faith. We're not just talking about faith. We're showing faith when we give. I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, uh, tithe if you love Jesus, anyone can honk. That's pretty good, huh? You know, anybody can honk. I, I want to please God. How about you? I said, I want to please God. How about you? Right? And, and there was something in me that kind of wanted to do that with my parents. I, I don't know, you know, if you're a parent here today, I think one of the things that if you could instill this in your kids, this is a powerful motivator, is that they want to please you. You know? Because as a kid, I wanted to please my parents. It, it, it would grieve me if I thought I was displeasing them. You know, it kind of affected me negatively. And the same thing with God. I want to please God with my life. And so here's what happens. It's just like with kids, when your kids disobey or they do something you don't want them to do, do you still love them? Of course you do. You still love them. But are you pleased with them? No. They're not giving you pleasure. And see, our God, our Heavenly Father, is the same way. He loves us regardless. If you are here today and you have blasphemed God in your mind, you have walked away from Him, you've done all kinds of things, and you think, oh, there's no way a God in heaven would accept me or whatever, you are so wrong because God will accept you no matter who you are. He loves you. He will never, never, never stop loving you. But you can displease him. And you can please him. You can give him pleasure, the Bible says. And one of the first stories, and again, Robert Moore shared this with us about Cain and Abel. One of the first stories in the Bible was about these two boys that early on learned the principle of tithing to bring the first fruits to God. And Abel did that. He brought the first fruits. He brought the firstborn. But Cain, the Bible says, brought some of his abundance. He brought some of what he had. And God looked down and was pleased with Abel, but he was displeased with Cain. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the next few moments into a book, an ancient book. Uh, we call it a book. It's an ancient writing that's in our Bible. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to the New Testament, to the book of Philippians. And we're going to look there today at several passages of Scripture. We're going to look at one section of Scripture where Paul is talking about people giving an offering. 
And he's talking about what this does. What are the results that happen when people release what's in their hand? What, what happens? What takes place? And so what happens, and let me just give you the background here because so, we're not going to read the whole entire book. But, but here's what happened. Is this church was an awesome church in Philippi. And so therefore the writing is called Philippians because he's writing to these people here in Philippi. And, and there's an awesome church there. They've been generous and they've given and they're supporting Paul and Paul wants to say, thank you. Isn't that what you teach your kids? Right? What do you say? Right? You look at, what do you say? And isn't it the most embarrassing thing if your kid doesn't say anything right then? <laughs> How many ways slap your kid right then? You know? <laughs> it's like, mmm, mmm, you know. <clears throat> what is that? And, and so, yeah, two words. That's just it. Two words. Just get them out. Thank you. And so Paul wants to take time and to say thank you to this church. So here's where we're going to pick it up. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, we'll have it on the screen if you don't have a copy of the scriptures. It says, I am full, Paul says. Now, that's what I said Thursday. How about you? <laughs> okay, but he's not full of turkey or whatever. Here's what he's full of. He's full of joy, having received the things you sent me. They sent him a care package. And, and they sent him financial gift. And they are a sweet-smelling offering. It's, he's like showing a, a flashback to Old Testament offerings where, where they would burn sacrifices. And God says, it's like a sweet-smelling savor to me. You know, you're sacrificing your best for me. And so I receive it. I take pleasure in it. And he says, it's a sweet-smelling offering, this financial gift that they gave. They are a gift, notice, that God accepts, and we saw that about Abel and Cain, how God accepted Abel's offering because it was given with the right attitude, and it followed what God said to give out to him first, to give of the first fruits. So it's a gift that God accepts. God is what? Well-pleased. He's well-pleased with this gift. So Paul says right here, God takes pleasure. God is pleased when we offer our offering to him. So in other words, when you go online and, and you go on the Crossroads website and you click on the give link and you go there and you put in your information or if you've already been there before and it's already stored for you and you go on there and you click and you give or you automate your giving so much every week's going to come out and, and you just automate it that way you don't even have to think about it when you do that or you give in this live offering just a few moments ago here's what Paul says God can take pleasure from it now I don't know about you but I like that because just like I wanted to please, there was something in me that wanted to please my parents. I knew they loved me. They cared about me. I wanted to give pleasure to them. Likewise, all the more, I know that my heavenly Father loves me, cares for me, has the best out for me, wants to work all things together 
for the good of those who love him and I love God and are called according to his purpose, then, then I believe that that God, that heavenly father, deserves to have pleasure, to be pleased. And so the thought of me writing a check, the thought of me going online, the thought of me giving into his kingdom to help what he has set up this world to do and to be, and that is to know him personally. And when I further that effort here on the earth to think that he takes pleasure from that, that pleases me. How about you? I mean, that gives pleasure to me as well, but it's just awesome. It's incredible because I can't make God richer. He owns the universe, right? So when I give, God didn't just get richer, you know, and, and he didn't get more able to do something, but what he did do is he took pleasure. He was pleased. And so we have the ability when we give to give pleasure to God. Now, that's what happens to God. Now, here... Let's look at what happens to me. What happens to me when I give? And we've looked at this since the very first week. My heart is changed. My heart's impacted. There is no way that you can get involved. Now, I want to help you here because for those of you who think this only applies to money, it doesn't just apply to money. Okay, if you'll volunteer here at Crossroads, if you'll get involved in, in telling kids about Jesus and serving in the kids' ministry and, and helping them to know that God has a plan for their life, that God loves them, cares for them, or you come back on Sunday nights and you volunteer in the student ministry and you help teenagers to connect with a God who loves them and cares for them, or, or maybe you serve in divorce care on Monday nights or Financial Peace University, or you volunteer somewhere in the church, you greet people, you, do, you, just, uh, you stand out in the parking lot on cold mornings and wave at people when they're coming into church. It makes no difference how cold it gets, how hot it gets, how whatever it gets. Come on, somebody, help me here today. It, it makes no difference. You, you show up, right? Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You get something out of it. I'm just telling you if, you, if you, if for no other reason, be selfish and volunteer. Okay? Because it, it, it looks like, well, you're being selfless to volunteer. But I've got news for you. There's a selfish benefit when you volunteer. Because when you give out to other people, when you give out what God has put in you, something happens to you. How many of you know that? When you give unto God, something happens to you. And it's the power of giving whatever it is. And it brings about transformation. But when we give of our finances, it breaks the power of greed over our lives, which is one of the worst heart diseases that we can have. And, and we can never be happy or experience true peace when greed is in our lives. And, and so what happens is when we release it unto God, all of a sudden our heart begins to change. You know, all of a sudden our, our heart gets a little bit bigger, right? Anybody see the Grinch, right? that time of year and our heart gets a little bit bigger 
as we give and as we reach out and, and we release what's in our hands. And God takes away that greed and he exchanges it for contentment in our lives. And Paul learned how this exchange works. And here's what he says about it in Philippians. So let's look back at Philippians chapter 4. Here's what it says. I have learned. You see, you can learn how to be content. You, you probably weren't born knowing how. You have to learn how to be content. No matter what happens to me. I know what it's like, verse 12, that, that not to have what I need. I know what that's like. And I also know what it's like to have more than I need. I have learned the secret of being content no matter what happens. I am content whether I'm well-fed or hungry. I'm content whether I have more than enough or not enough. I can do everything. How do you do this, Paul? By the power of Christ, he gives me the strength. How many know that God can give you the strength that you don't have on your own, right? He can give you the power that you don't have on your own. And when you, when you come to a point where you realize it all belongs to God, let me tell you something, that's freeing. That's freeing. Because now all of a sudden you don't have to grab a hold and hang on and, and try to not lose something because you know God owns it all. And what happens is when we give and tithe, we get filled with contentment, trust, and peace. Doesn't that sound good? Contentment, trust, and peace. Now those don't sound like three Words that would describe most of our culture. Contentment and trust and peace. But it's exactly what happens when we give. When we give, we're releasing to God and we're saying, God, I believe you're going to take care of me. I believe that you're going to take care of me. I believe that 90% with your blessing is greater than 100% without it. I believe you have my best interest in mind. I believe that you, you desire to give good gifts to your children. I, David said, I've been young, I'm now old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed go begging for bread. God, I believe that you, you will take care of me. If I'll seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. I believe that. And so what happens is my faith gets activated and I am changed. I'm changed. We can't change God. We can please God, but we can be changed when we give. Now, here's the third thing that happens. What happens through us? What happens through us when we give? When we give, spiritual power is released. Malachi, God said it this way, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll rebuke him. And I will open the floodgates or the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you won't even have room enough to receive. Now, why would God say 
it's going to be so much you can't receive it all because you're not supposed to receive it all. Hello? That makes sense? You're not supposed to receive it all. You're supposed to give it away. You're supposed to be so blessed that you bless other people and other people say, Oh, man, you are such a blessing. It's incredible. I mean, you just bless me and all. You're such a blessing. And and then you can say, well, it's not me. It's God. It's God working through my life. That's the reason why I'm able to bless. That's the reason why I'm able to sponsor a kid down in the Dominican Republic. That's the reason why I'm able to give to you. That's the reason why I'm able to give to this effort or that effort or or this thing or this Christmas uh, outreach or whatever it is. It's because of the overflow of God's blessing. The effects of God's blessing on our lives are powerful, tangible, noticeable, and measurable. God goes to work through us. Here's what Paul says about it in Philippians 4, 17. Let's pull it up. It says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that abounds to your account. See, Paul says, when, when you people give, it's not about giving to me. See, that's the thing about giving to a church or, or a religious organization or some non-for-profit or whatever it is you give to. It, it's not so much about them. It's about you, too. Because God's flowing through you. They're, they're supernatural. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received the things sent from you. A sweet smell and aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Again, Paul says and reminds them, when you give, you can't outgive God. Two of you got that, right? I said, when you give, understand, you can't outgive God. And, and if you think you can, I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. There is no way you can outgive God. No way you can outgive God. I, I mean, there's no way. You, you may try, but you cannot outgive God. He provides everything for our lives. God is powerful, and He is powerfully at work through us. Let me, let me just share a story with you. And I, I was reading this recently about America's first billionaire. You ever read about America's first billionaire? How many know who America's first billionaire was? Anybody know? Nope. J.D. Rockefeller, all right? John D. Rockefeller is, is credited with being America's first billionaire. By 23, he was a millionaire. And by age 50, they assessed that he was a billionaire, America's first billionaire. But here's what happened over the next three years. Over the next three years, John D. Rockefeller's health began to deteriorate. 
significantly. To the point where three years later, his doctor said, uh, you will probably be gone in a year. So you need to get things in order. Well, when John Rockefeller heard that he was on limited time, and here he was in his young 50s, he's a billionaire, he has everything that, that money can buy, but how many of you know money cannot buy peace of mind? And money can't buy time. And so uh, money couldn't buy those things. And so he looked at his money and he thought, well, what do I do? And as he was just contemplating this, and you can just imagine when you've been told something like this. And, and, and in that time when, when uh, you know, early 1900s when, when medicine wasn't what it is today. And, and so there were very limited options available. And, and so John D. Rockefeller had a dream. And in this dream... He clearly saw that money was not the answer. He saw that money, uh, you know, could not uh, get him into the next world. And, and so as he was waking up and thinking about this, he thought, well, I've got to do something with my money because it's true. I can't take it into the next world. I, I'm not going to take any of this with me. And yeah, I'm a billionaire, but what good is that going to do me when I'm dead? And so he realized, I've got a choice. And so he called his attorney and his accountant into the room. And he talked to them and said, I want to start something that will fund other things bigger than myself. And, and so he set up this foundation to help hospitals and, and to do medical research and to do mission work. And so this foundation was birthed. And his foundation, listen to this, was, was responsible or influential at least in the discovery of penicillin, which is powerful. It was life-changing in this country. And also multiple cures for malaria, tuberculosis, and diphtheria. And in that day, that was incredible. It affected the lives of millions. This decision, this dream, this vision, this change of heart, all of it led to millions and millions of lives being impacted. But what's most amazing is this. Within weeks of doing this, his body chemistry began to change. And he began to get better, much to the amazement of his doctor. And instead of dying within a year at 53 years of age, John D. Rockefeller did not die until the ripe old age of 98. Isn't that crazy? And I believe it's because he learned the power of giving. The power of releasing what's in our hands. And it's like as he gave back his wealth, God gave him back his health. God began to work in his life and turn things around. Now, I don't believe that just works for billionaires. I don't believe it just works for billionaires. I believe it's a principle that works across the board. 
I believe it, regardless of what your income is, I believe that a generous heart is a happy heart. I feel like the most miserable people on the earth are stingy people. Have you met any of them? Right? Don't point to anybody, all right? If they're in the room today, don't do that. But I, I believe that the generous heart is a light heart. I, I believe people who live life without a death grip on everything they have. Boy, that's stressful, isn't it? Maybe, maybe just take your fists and just tighten them up as tight as you can do it for a moment. Just do it. Just, ah. Ugh. Doesn't it feel better to do this? Just, just do this. Just to hang loose and to let go and to just trust God. And here's the thing, and I want to wrap this up this morning. God says, I'll supply all you need. Not all you greed, okay, but all you need, God will supply and God wants something. If it sounds like, you know, it sounds like God's wanting something from me. No, God doesn't need anything from you. If you give him something today, you have not added to his value. Okay? He is invaluable regardless. And he owns it all anyway. And you're not taking anything with you when you leave this world. He owns it all. He's the owner of the universe. And so what you do is you engage with God when you give because God wants something for you and it's bigger than your pocketbook. It's bigger than your wallet. It's bigger than your bank account. God wants something that transcends all of that. God wants something for your whole being. And I believe your whole life is impacted when you return to God. And so today, as we wrap this up, I want you to just think about giving pleasure to God. What's that look like for me? How, how can I give God pleasure this week? And, and how can I be changed? How do I need to be changed? Is there greed in my life? Is there selfishness in my life? Are, are there some things? Is my heart small? Do I, does it need to grow? And then what can God do through me if I would release? A few weeks ago, we saw what just one dollar from each of us could do in impacting people here in our own community. What would happen if all of us did that? Let's pray. Father, Help us today to get a hold of this, that we can bless you, we can bless us, and we can bless your kingdom when we live life with an open hand. And so, God, today it's just really simple, but yet for many of us it's hard because, and God, I know that many people didn't have the advantage that I did to grow up hearing about this.